politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, and property once again to the CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here, end of week, Friday, February 11th. It is actually the two-year anniversary of when the WHO declared COVID-19 the name of this disease. And here we are two years later. After the people have been turned into sheeple, finally, perhaps, are the sheeple turning into lions? Do we have resistance? Do we have an opportunity for a true revolution to undo the inhumane, illogical, immoral governance that we're seeing, not just in America, but really, you know, all Western democracies that aren't democracies anymore? They're just as bad as China and North Korea. This is our opportunity. But the question is, why? Why did we have to go through two years of unimaginable death and destruction that's going to reverberate for years to come? And it's not just crying over spilt milk. It's even where we stand now. These phony Republicans trying to get in on this and like, hey, yeah, this is stupid. We shouldn't be doing this. But why? Why? Why was this allowed to happen? Imagine if every Republican would have been like Governor Ron DeSantis from a governing end and Senator Ron Johnson from a, a messaging point early on focusing on early treatment. He had Scott Atlas on say, hey, do we really need to do this? Does this even work? Now, one of those two we will be having on later today, Senator Ron Johnson, uh, to discuss with us the DMED DOD scandal and some of the latest things that he's working on. Um, so we're really looking forward to that as well. But folks, it didn't have to be this way. You look at the video in Las Vegas that everyone's, you know, trading around the internet. The school in Las Vegas, the minute they hear that the governor relinquished the mask mandate and they're cheering and everyone, you know, is passing around the video. And my first thought was, oh my gosh. So their lives, their ability to breathe hinged directly on literally the utterance of one human being, one man. Oh, now, now, now you could breathe. Oh, now you can't breathe. Boom. Just like that, one man has that power. King George could have never imagined that. Our revolution was fought over a fraction of the crimes against humanity that are taking place today and really are continuing to take place today. That's going to be the theme in the coming days. It's not just you know holding people accountable for being too late to the party, but they're faking being late to the party because they're not really joining with us because there's a lot of work left to be done. So first sponsor today, one of the big points of destruction from this uh, genocide that's taking place is the destruction of small business. What's ironic is while they're green lighting and in some cases mandating small businesses fire, discriminate against people senselessly for not getting a shot that doesn't affect them, the reality is HR issues do kill your business because in every other context, government does get involved in telling you um, you know, wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regs. It's crazy. So those of you that don't have $70,000 to hire an HR manager, we could get you one for $1,200, bucks, just 99 bucks a month, month to month. Uh, no, uh, you, you know, you're not locked in for a, a full year, no hidden fees, cancel anytime, 
at Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E. Um, they will get you a designated manager. So it's not just calling you know, every time. You'll have one person attached to your business, available by phone, email, real-time chat. Um, let them complete a free HR audit today. Free for your small business. Audit what needs to be done. Why not try it out? Go to Bambi.com slash conservative right now to schedule your free audit. That's BAM to the B, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash conservative. Um, so folks, I want to start off today just with a quote here. You know, the verse of the day in my mind is Jeremiah 16, 17. For my eyes are on all their ways. They were not hidden from before me, neither was their iniquity hidden from before my eyes. We often remember that God plays the long game. God does see all this injustice as hard as, as it is to go through. They will have their turn. And you look at the injustice that is taking place. It's truly heartbreaking. One of the reasons why I'm saying this is not over, ironically, is not just COVID fascism is not over, but COVID's not over. Remember, this was a real virus but not a real natural one, a bioweapon. And we don't know what's going to happen. So number one, we don't know naturally how this is going to evolve from an unnatural virus. And number two, the mass vaccination, especially multiple doses, is basically making everyone like they have AIDS, like they have HIV, and they have no immune system. Interesting observation. South Africa breezed through Omicron. Right, It was fundamentally an upper respiratory infection. They breezed through it. Barely any deaths. But you go to the Western world, and there still are problems. There's still a number of people dying. Now, yeah, relative to the expanse and its reach, the case fatality rate is very low. But there still are too many people dying, and it's, it is beyond the normal, typical season we see. I don't have a reason to deny that. I have a reason to pin the blame on the people who created it, like we talked about yesterday, one whistleblower who worked with the gain-of-function folks at EcoHealth Alliance, Dr. Andrew Huff, he believes it was the Defense and Intel Community of America. It's not the China virus. It's the American government virus. So the left wants to run away from this now. Oh, okay, we're done. I'm not done. I care about COVID more than you do. You just cared about controlling people. Right? But the minute that control becomes a liability, at least to the degree you're uh, exercising it, you want to run away from it. But no, we want everyone to get treatment. This is not okay. Why do you think Israel has a record high death curve after everyone has boosters and for the mildest of all variants? I want to share a personal case I have that kind of demonstrates this. I got devastating news um, last night about a longtime friend that I have here living uh, in my uh, neighborhood that he's on a ventilator. And this man, guy like in his 60s, he's got a kidney transplant, heart disease, and diabetes at a minimum, if not more conditions. I know he was terrified for two years. You know, his life was upended. And we never had, to this day, we don't have an answer for these people. We spent two years turning over every stone that did nothing, all pain and no gain. 
except for putting a fraction of that time, effort, and money and research into actually how to treat, how to have prophylaxis for these people. And it was known that even the temporary waning superficial immunity that the vaccines conveyed for the original strain that no longer do, it never stimulated immunity for solid organ transplant patients. And we never had an answer for those people. Never. Well, this guy, I was told, got five or six shots. He kept going in, so the doctors he was working with, just keep shooting up, shooting up. I don't know all the details, but it wouldn't surprise me if what that does to a person is even someone who's already immunosuppressed, but it totally wipes out any immune system they have by having five or six of these shots. So then even something like Omicron could totally destroy them. And it just it, it just really angered me that these people that, that locked themselves down, got the shots, kept getting the shots, and then they're in trouble and those same doctors have nothing to offer them. You know, it's disgusting. We have all different sorts of studies. And I want to share a particular study with you uh, written by uh, Dr. Sabine Hazen. We actually had her on last year. Um, and Peter McCullough's on this, uh, Thomas Barodi from Australia. He's probably the top GI doctor in the world. Um, they're on this. And, and look, before, let me just preface, this is not a regular study. It only has 24 people. It doesn't have a control group. It's not, it's not really a study. But you'll see why it's important because when you have 75 or so studies and mechanisms of action and, and anecdotes that you can't miss, you put it all together, each one strengthens the, the rest. It's a preponderance of evidence. And I want to show you this point. What they did is that they, they it wasn't a study. They, they, they documented all of the markers, the health status, very meticulously for 24 people that, that, that Dr. Hazen dealt with personally. And these were all people that badly wanted to avoid the hospital. They came to them with their blood oxygen level um, below 90, sometimes a few of them even in the 70s. Obviously, a lot of distress. And they said, please help us. Okay? And the result is all 24 of them, all 24 of them are out of the hospital today. All 24, I'm sorry, not out of the hospital. They never made it to the hospital. They all recovered quickly. And a lot of them had comorbidities. So I want to get to this um, study. It's at futuremedicine.com is where it's published. Again, Sabine Hazen, Future Medicine. If you want to look up effectiveness of ivermectin-based multidrug therapy in severely hypoxic ambulatory COVID-19 patients, if you want to look that up. Now, very apropos, this segment is sponsored by another doctor who actually has done the same thing for four, he's treated 4,000 people prophylactically and, and, uh, you know, on the spot. MyGoToDoc.com by Dr. Saeed Haider. Those of you who want to know where you get prophylactic ivermectin, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about Seven Cells Pharmacy. They have a lot of other things as well. Um, but MyGoToDoc has this. But they also offer, if you sign up, you get access to freely correspond with them to register for free um, to ask any questions. 
because this is what's important, to have a doctor that could guide you through it. It's not about any one drug. And they also know all the cheapest pharmacies as well. It's your go-to source for COVID-19. You can also download. They have like a treatment packet there as well. So it's a very good website to go to mygotodoc.com. So I want to get to this this uh, study here. And again, I do want to get to Senator Johnson. Um, so I'm not going to elaborate too long. But basically, here are the summary points. They used a combination of ivermectin, doxycycline, zinc, D, and C. Okay, it doesn't say how much. Um, I mean, it, it probably does. It's just I'm not looking at it right here. Um, it was 25 milligrams twice a day of zinc, 1,500 milligrams twice a day of C. So when someone actually had an infection, they were giving 3,000 a day. Um, D was only a total of 3,000. Interesting. Um, and ivermectin was only kind of sporadic, okay? So this was their study, and it was 24 patients, and I'm just looking now because it's a long thing. I'm trying to see um, what the timeline was here. You know, was this Delta? Was this the original strain? Um, and it might have been the original strain, but... This was basically, you know, these these type of patients that came to them. In this circumstance, many of them had issues, had comorbidities, they got a bad case. As you well know, people who present with their blood oxygen level in the 70s and the 80s, a good number of them, at a minimum, are in the hospital for a very long time and have a six-month recovery, and many of them don't make it. I mean that that we've seen and that does not that does not change that has not changed um throughout the pandemic. Now, this was during August 2020 through February 2021. So I just want to make something very clear here. This was before Delta. Okay, this is the original strain. But the point so these are not even the heavy guns. It's low dose sporadic ivermectin with doxy and then the vitamins. Obviously, with Delta, they would want to come in with, you know, you would want to also do nitazoxanide together with it. Sometimes you'd want to do ciproheptadine, phenofibrate. There's a lot of things that have worked much better. You're, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right away, you're not going to achieve, in my view, these results with, with Delta. Um, but, but that's not the point. The point is we likely wouldn't have had the other variants if not for the mass vaccination. Had we done this from day one, day one, as all these doctors were yelling, we would have never had problems. And then again, even if you have Delta, it's the same thing. The same doctors stepped up their game and they did the research, whatever it is. And 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 it, and it would have resulted in the same thing. But it just shows you how easy that original strain was to, 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 to treat. And that would have been the only one we would have had if not for the mass vaccination. And had we gotten everyone over with herd immunity at that point because what happened was what the vaccine did with the um, uh, vaccine mediated viral enhancement is it made it that all the people had low dose exposure remember when we thought the herd immunity threshold was 25-30% because it seemed like it would stop after that I the theory is it, it might it might have stopped because the rest had low dose exposure and that was enough but that wasn't enough to overcome delta but anyway, I'm, I'm digressing here. 23 out of 24 had levels below 90%, 0.2, and 4 had below 85% upon presentation. 
11 of the 24 had comorbidities. The median age of all subjects was 66. They administered all this orally for 10 days. 100%, meaning all 24, survived without the need for hospitalizations. All subjects recovered from hypoxic symptoms. In other words, their, their SATs went above 95 within 10 days. But all of them, I want to say all of them. Let me just see, get this accurate here in the results. Um, all of them had oxygen saturation improvement within 24 hours. And again, this is very low dose based on what we're doing with Delta. It's very, it's mainly the vitamins, doxy and, and ivermectin. You know, like I said, they would come in, I, I would like to come in with nidazoxanide. Most people don't have access to that. They'd come in with phenofibrate, ciproheptadine, um, you know, and some other, you know, real, you know, obviously famotidine, you'd want, you know, high dose, perhaps 100 milligrams, 80 milligrams of that. There's a lot of other things we've been using, the anticoagulants. So this was, this was so easy to treat. And you look at the chart here. This is within 24 hours. 24 hours. I'm looking. Their blood oxygen level went to 89, 95, 88, 96, 77, 87, 88, 94, 88, 96. 72 to 87. Um, 90, 96, 84, 91, 87, 94. In other words, their blood oxygen level went up within 24 hours. It is criminal that the people with, you know, especially with comorbidities, weren't given this. We had this study of prophylaxic ivermectin, high dose from Flavio, 100%. Um, decrease in mortality if they had, you know, a certain long-term high dosage in them for nothing, something that's so beneficial for your health anyway, all this stuff. Almost all this stuff we're using, you you, you could totally use any time. I mean, you know, NAC and the vitamins and hydroxy and, and, and ivermectin, all this, and desoxanide, I mean, they're good, good drugs. I mean, phenofibrate people take in various doses for cholesterol all the time. You know, yeah, I mean, a couple of them, obviously, you don't just take in, in, in rote, but the point is, none of this had to happen. And again, th these are ragtag doctors groping in the darkness. When I say groping in the darkness, we know the mechanisms, we know it works, but in terms of the exact cocktail for the exact time with the exact dosage, we, we we're flying blind. We had no research behind this, and I always suspect that had we approached this within a few months, we could have had much better stuff we would have discovered um, and it would have made this whole thing move. But to, but the sad thing is, two years later, two years later, two years, there's still no answer. And in fact, what likely occurred is that their immune systems are crushed from the endless boosters and likely being locked down as well. That now, for not just COVID, COVID's still circulating and likely will, but even, even flus perhaps. These people are now more vulnerable to, to mortality. And we have no answer for these people. Oh, let's move on. No, I don't want to move on. Again, not just for Nuremberg 2.0 to hold them accountable, but henceforth, we need treatment. 
Now, now's a good time to get to our guest. Our guest segment today is sponsored by Patriot Academy. Part of being ahead of the curve, ahead of tyranny, so we don't come two years later, is to join Patriot Academy's Constitution Coach program. They give online courses and materials produced by Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, as well as historian David Barton and others. So you you could uh, play that. The, their videos and their materials, get together groups of 30, 40 patriots in your home and put on a, 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 a program. And that's the best way you could help organize, get to know each other and start these resistance cells that we need. It's all free. Hundreds of thousands of people have participated in Patriot Academy's courses with almost 100,000 in 2021 alone. Go to patriotacademy.com. Uh, to help restore our republic and sign up to be a constitution coach. Also, you could check out, they have many other great programs. They have a college program, six-month course for people who are eligible for 18 to 20, uh, I think 24-year-olds um, to, to learn the constitution. Very great people to be around. And again, this is how we're going to organize for freedom. So folks, we do have Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin on the line. And just to preface this interview, I want to say that we have gotten early treatment into the homes of probably 30,000 people through my show, um, even more through Steve Dace's show. And all of this was made possible, believe it or not, by a senator. Um, Back in May 2020, really funny story. And this was early on, first week in May, Ron Johnson was the only one holding hearings on what to actually do about COVID. I mean, do we have to do this? Is this the right diagnosis? Is this helpful instead of harmful? Are there better things we could be doing? And I tuned in mainly to listen to Scott Atlas, and I heard this raving lunatic guy with a New York accent just raving about steroids. And I was like, what is it with that guy? I want want to talk about the lockdown. And then months later, he had the man back, I believe it was December 7th, and that was the testimony heard around the world. Dr. Pierre Corey, who has since become one of my best friends, talking about ivermectin, talking about early treatment, talking about the fact that this is a false dichotomy. We have ways of treating this. And then it hit me. Oh, my gosh. All along, that was the biggest issue. That was the main thing, even more so than saying what not to do. But the fact that he was pursuing early treatment, and if every other Republican senator or governor would have pursued that, where would we be today? With that, Senator Johnson, it's really an honor to finally get you here on Blaze Media. Well, Daniel, thanks for having me on, and, and quite honestly, thanks for paying attention. Uh, it has baffled me from the start. It, it's interesting that May hearing, you're right, nobody else was holding hearings on the what to do. And that hearing really was focused on putting COVID in perspective. I think we had Johnny Anitas on in that hearing. We had had a panel uh, really talking about the Princess Cruise data that really age stratified the risk of COVID because I think people were completely losing perspective on this disease. It really didn't risk, you know, didn't put at risk children. This disease was going to really target elderly and, and the vulnerable. And so I thought if, if he could hold a hearing and maybe lay that out, maybe people calm down a little bit. Again, take disease very seriously. It's, it's been a devastating disease. I've never downplayed it. But literally the week before I put that hearing on, I, I'd been also, by the way, for the, the previous months, seeing doctors who had the courage and compassion to treat COVID patients 
looking, you know, practicing medicine, tr trying to figure out what's going on here. I saw their videos being taken down by the by the internet, uh, by the social, uh, the big tech giants. It was baffling to me. Say, so, well, why are we using the internet to disseminate this information? So I held a hearing, but I heard about this Pierre Corey. He was actually he's a New Yorker, but he was affiliated with the University of Wisconsin in Madison. But he was his group was pushing corticosteroids. They, they they had a different theory of the case, and so I, I put him on. And, and, and about eight weeks later, uh, it, there were studies that proved this, and so people started getting saved, their lives saved with use of corticosteroids. But it's it's baffled me to this day, Daniel. Two years into this pandemic, more than two years now, we still don't have early treatment guidelines from the NIH, the CDC, the FDA. This this is beyond a scandal, and, and it has cost hundreds of thousands of people their lives. But again, I appreciate the fact that you're paying attention. I, I wish more Americans would have known about this, that their loved ones could have been saved. It's, I mean, it's just a tragedy. And that's the truth. This really, it, it crosses ideological lines. You know, I was always a conservative, but this issue has nothing to do with anything. I never heard of these drugs. I couldn't pronounce them. And it started making sense to me. And we were getting flooded with emails. People were in desperate straits. And I think what concerns me, I want to get your comment on this. One of my concerns right here now is that we were always accused of being, of downplaying the virus as if we don't care. But ironically, it looks like the Democrats want to run away from the issue and drop it. And, and my feeling is, wait a minute, the virus is still circulating. People do need treatment. Um, how do we keep this alive and try to help those doctors, uh, you know, make it clear that they could prescribe? Do you believe there's anything more, you know, you could do at a federal level, or is this something that's going to have to wait until you get back the majority? No, I mean, I held an event uh, two weeks ago on January 24th. We called it COVID-19, a second opinion. It, it was five hours long, and we barely scratched the surface of all the things we need to talk about is I organized it around the four pillars from Peter McCulloch's testimony a month before Pierre, Pierre Corey came back in December of 2020. And, you know, Dr. McCulloch talked about the four pillars of pandemic response, you know, try and reduce the, the spread, uh, limit the spread, early at-home treatment, hospital treatment, and then the vaccine. You know, that, that would have been a balanced approach. But all we have done is focus on the vaccines, 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 because the COVID gods have pushed only vaccines, uh, now that they're failing, now that there are vaccine injuries, they don't want to admit that. So what's, what's, you know, the, the, the approach here is keep highlighting the truth. Keep pushing early treatment. We're still going to need it. You know, coronavirus isn't going away. There's going to be a new variant. Uh, and there are certainly people talking about that maybe the vaccines have driven the number of variants. Then had, had we not the, the mass vaccinated into the midst of a pandemic, you know, you know, Daniel, there's so much we don't know about the coronavirus, COVID, the disease, and the vaccine. So when you don't know everything, when you have less than perfect information, that would advise caution, right? Again, I, I was a big supporter of Operation Warp Speed. I'm the champion of right to try. So I, I think the vaccine is absolutely probably a, a good decision for elderly people with comorbidities, but for children... I would say absolutely not. Exercise some caution here. But the COVID gods have thrown caution to the wind. They've had a, a one-size-fits-all approach. I think people have been severely harmed 
by their one-size-fits-all approach in, in, in not getting early treatment, in being vaccine-injured when there was no medical necessity for them getting the vaccine. It's been insane how we've handled the, the coronavirus and COVID. So what scares me headed forward, and you mentioned right to try, you know, I was always very frustrated with FDA, and I felt that we stymied certain drugs coming to the market, but I never envisioned a scenario like today where you would have the government partner fund, develop, distribute, market, uh, coerce eventually, absolve of all liability, and nothing matters. So next Tuesday, the committee, the advisory committee for the FDA is going to meet on administering this to babies and toddlers. EUA, even though Fauci is saying the emergency part of the pandemic is over, uh, it's a new virus. It, it, the, the vaccine doesn't speak to it. Their own trial didn't even, uh, get, well, it was complete and they said it didn't work. So they're doing a third dose, but they're rushing approval before it. And yet the, the outcome is not in contention. It will absolutely be approved. They're already distributing it throughout the country. What do we do in the long term in terms of healthcare reform to have a backstop, a safety net to, to bring back informed consent? Well, we need to put doctors back on top of the medical practice pyramid. Right now, they're at the bottom, and that's wrong. I mean, doctors take the Hippocratic Oath. Their primary responsibility is to their patient, not to Big Pharma, not to their agency, not to their, their hospital or their clinic. It's to their patient. And, and so doctors practice medicine, and they have full off-label prescription rights. And those rights have been taken away from doctors. I mean, but by the way, I really ask your listeners, go to Rumble and watch the five-hour video, or at least to YouTube, and watch my 38-minute highlight reel. But one of the most powerful parts of that five-hour event was Dr. Paul Merrick, an incredibly renowned, world-renowned doctor in critical care. He's treating COVID patients, you know, because they didn't get early treatment at the end stage where where they're really critical. He had a 50% lower mortality rate treating critical care patients in his hospital than his colleagues that weren't using these drugs, okay? But the hospital took his, his ability to use those drugs away from him. They left him with seven patients, and he testified. He said, so my hands were tied. My tools were taken away from me, and I had to idly sit by and watch my seven patients die. That has been repeated hundreds of thousands of times as these hospitals have tied the hands of physicians. They haven't practiced medicine. Doctors are at the bottom now of the medical practice pyramid. The COVID gods, the healthcare agencies are at the top. That's completely backwards. That's what needs to be fixed. Yeah, and, and, and it certainly is a big problem. It's reverberating in, in the hospitals, the, the apartheid, the discrimination. I just have an article out today on uh, people being denied transplants in, in the red state of South Carolina. I mean, this is a 50-state problem. It started out maybe in some of these blue states, but it's become the exception. And, and you know, the question is, and I know this is, this is a long discussion, but in a post-Obamacare world, where basically of the mergers and acquisitions, you have very few independent physicians anymore. Medicare, Medicaid, the insurance cartel, 
they all run medicine. It's not run based on science and compassion. It's run based on greed or just random group think and the inability to think outside the box. From a policy standpoint, how do we reinvent that wheel? You know, now that there's so many monopolies, um, is it in the tax code? Are there things we can do regulatory um, to to bolster alternatives and more choice and competition in medicine? Well, we we need to take power away from the health agencies. We we need to keep conveying the truth. We we need to see. And the best way to do that is with these individual stories, these individual tragedies. So people's eyes hopefully will be opened you know, when they hear these stories, these powerful stories of people being wronged by what has happened to our system. But, Daniel, I tell you that the biggest challenge we have right now is that the body count is so high, 900,000 Americans dead, more than 5.5 million globally. The human toll, the economic devastation of these shutdowns, what we've done to our children. So the people that have mismanaged this, our response to COVID, they will, they will not only never admit they were wrong, at this point, they can't afford to be proven wrong. Again, if, if it's proven that ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, fluoxamine, budesonide, if, if these drugs, it's proven indisputably, I think it already is, but I mean, if it's proven that they could have saved lives, what are these guys going to say? What are they going to do? They're the ones that prevented it. They're the ones that sabotaged. The, the, talks yes. about ivermectin is horse-faced to dissuade people from using it. They're the ones that stick the medical licensing boards on these doctors so that they wouldn't use these drugs. So the body count is so high, they, they can't afford to be proven wrong. But here's the real key, Daniel. We're talking about the health agencies. We're talking about the, the Biden administration. We're talking about legacy media. We're talking about the big tech giants and the social media. These people have the power to make it almost impossible to prove them wrong. Yep. So you're, you're seeing there is, even as the truth is coming out, they're shifting their stories. They're going, oh, well, the science changed. We weren't wrong. We were just basing it on science. Now the science changed. Oh, we never said the vaccines were going to prevent you from, from getting ill. We, we, we've always talked about it's going to reduce the severity of symptoms. It's going to reduce the lightness, likeliness of death. And first of all, I'd like to see the data on that. Okay, they're not gonna, They hold all the cards, Daniel. They've got all the data. It's, it's literally like playing poker and like you got no cards and they just keep telling you, you lose, you lose, you lost again. Sorry, you lost again. <laughs> the playing field is grossly unfair. But that's what we're that's what we're, that's what we're up against. I've literally, I've literally lived that game. You know, my employer here, they have to play cat and mouse games. I can't, I don't post anything even on my personal Facebook account because they'll get demonetized and we have to find ways of getting this out to people. And I think this is a good segue into what I believe is the biggest scandal I've ever worked on um, in my life. It's shocking. So obviously my audience is very familiar with the DMED data that was uh, broken out by attorney Thomas Renz. Um, at your hearing, and it it demonstrated in 2021 just an unbelievable baseline increase in so many ailments that experts and, and budding research seems to indicate it has some ties to spike protein syndromes. And 
you know, and, and obviously I've spoken to those whistleblowers uh, personally myself for several months, and it's not just a bunch of people who are bored and looked at data one day. They looked at it because clinically that's what they were seeing on the ground. Um, just today they're dealing with in their units, you usually have skeletal muscular issues or uh, with the females' pregnancies. That Those are going to be the big things that take them out of action for that month at their monthly meetings. They're talking about strokes and all the thrombotic disorders and the blood disorders, and it, it makes no sense with 20 25-year-olds who were pre-screened already uh, medically when they got into the military. None of this makes sense to them. And But what happened was DOD's response, in my mind, is an even bigger story. They say, no, that's not an issue because really, you know, it was that high all these other years. So they drop an even bigger bomb, but just parsimoniously in a three-sentence statement to PolitiFact to absolve the vaccine of liability, but then they put out no statement of narrative. So could you update us to this day? Where does this stand? And doesn't this mean that our entire health surveillance system was broken, according to them, and we have a very unhealthy military? Yeah, there's no good explanation on this story for the Department of Defense. So let me first praise those whistleblowers and point out they're all three doctors, you know, a major in the Army, uh, I think Colonel uh, Green Beret in the Army, and Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force. Okay, These are qualified individuals, okay? And they have the courage to come forward. So having seen and witnessed vaccine injuries, they go into the database, and it starts alarming them. And I got contacted by Tom Renz, their attorney, uh, even though I'd already put Teresa Long in, on my November panel, so I was aware of Teresa. But he called me Saturday before my Monday event and talked about this database. There were two things that really concerned me. In, in addition to the dramatic increases in these, diagno- in these diagnoses, okay, it also appeared there's evidence of doctoring the data already. You know, what was the one condition that CDC is acknowledging tied to the vaccine? Myocarditis. So they downloaded information in August on myocarditis, showed over 1,200 cases in the year 2021 of myocarditis. And that compared to the previous five-year average of 43. So that's a 28-fold increase in myocarditis in 2021. They go back, and then when they download it for their, for their whistleblower database in January, now all of a sudden there's, there's a little bit more than 250 cases versus 1,200 in 2021. And the previous year's average over, I think, I think it was 112. So it's still a two-and-a-half-fold increase, but they, it looks like the, the data has been doctored. So I sent a record preservation letter to Secretary Austin the 24th. I didn't get responded to. I followed up the next week with a letter laying out 15 different diagnoses, the smallest increase in 2021 over the previous five-year average was a threefold, and as high as tenfold increase in these diagnoses. But again, Department of Defense to this day have not contacted me. They haven't responded to me. They respond to PolitiFact. And, of course, they respond going, oh, yeah, it's a glitch. We're, we're taking the database down. We're going to fix it. Oh, yeah, they're going to fix it. Uh, so they're completely blowing off the American public by now responding to the American public's elected representative that's doing oversight. This is outrageous what's happening. But, you know, except for outlets like The Blaze, nobody's covering this. You know, this isn't some big news. This would be a massive news story. Like so much of what I have uncovered and what I have made public, it's all being covered up. It's being covered up by the COVID gods, the legacy media, the big tech social media. 
the healthcare agencies, the Biden administration. Um, I, again, I, I'm, I'm almost beside myself on what's happening to our country. And by the way, throw on top of that the Department of Homeland Security's advisory now, you're know, targeting people like me, people like you, people that are exercising in free speech. That's not going to be allowed anymore. We are now suspect. This ought to frighten every American what is happening today. I, I cannot believe this is happening to my country. I, th- this is the thing. It's it's not just COVID fascism or even biomedical fascism. I think that's the most devastating consequence. It's this complete uninhibition that the 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 ends justify the means. That if they say you're a, you're a threat, so it could be public health. They could say your views are a threat. They're certainly using January sixth to extrapolate on that and say anyone who holds certain views about an election, about COVID, about whatever it is, you're a threat. You look in Ottawa. They're seizing funds. They're knocking on people's doors, monitoring their Facebook. It's a complete uninhibition. I never thought in my lifetime that Western democracies would revert to pre-enlightenment thinking. And, you know, I think what is so what I'm confident about you and, and, and my views, I'm an ideologue. I'll admit it. I have a lot of preconceived views, but I will say I'm so confident about these issues because I never thought about them. There were no preconceived notions. Twelve months ago, you know, I, I didn't trust the big pharma for everything they did with the lockdowns, I never could have imagined that we would see what we're seeing today with negative efficacy, leaky vaccines, at a minimum, even the most conservative estimate of what we're seeing. Um, One of my concerns, and I'm curious how you think we can get around this, you mentioned it before, um, we have unnatural selection in academia, medical academia, where they're, they're stifling the ability to even detect and and diagnose. So I know a group of people that they're not even against the vaccines. All they want to do is treat long COVID and vaccine injury, which are often similar, and they're doing blood panels, and they have a great study showing mutated S1 and S2 in the monocytes that are supposed to cart away the virus, but instead it kind of stays there so the body constantly perceives it as a threat, and that's how you have that rolling inflammation. And this is so vital we have 540 million doses have been administered. Even if 0.2% have a spike protein syndrome, which I, I think we would suspect it might be a lot more than that, but 0.2%, one-fifth of 1%, that's a million doses. Those people need help. Um, and and I'm getting emails. Again, it's, it's three things. It's COVID, long COVID, and vaccine injury. There's a lot of people who are messed up. How do we get them help? Well, first of all, the COVID gods have to acknowledge that vaccine injuries are real or these that are suffering from vaccine injuries can't get treated. They go to the doctors, doctors, oh no, the CDC doesn't say that there, there's any possibility of vaccine injuries. So you must, you must have a mental illness. Uh, that is, that is what is happening today. That's why, you know, that's why I gave them a forum because all they want is to be seen, heard and believed so they can get treatment so they can be healed. Right now, that's not, that's not being allowed. It's not being allowed. Now, Danny, here's the good news, is there is a possibility of kind of a realignment. Because Dr. Pierre Corey is not a Republican. You know, nope. what picked him off so bad is what the Democrat ranking member basically called him a political hack. That's why, he got, that's why his, <laughs> his opening statement was so passionate and it went viral. Eight, eight million people watched that before YouTube took it down. Robert Malone at my event said, you know, listen, I supported Obama and Biden. So on a bipartisan basis, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Okay, so this is not a partisan issue. This is an American issue. 
But again, we are up against powerful forces. People that have the power of destroying those that are trying to convey the truth. So if, if I can make an appeal, I, I have decided to continue to fight for freedom by running for election again, although this was not my, this is not what I wanted to do. I wanted to fade in the background and start living a normal life. Mm. But I, I can't, I can't stop fighting. But I've already been outspent $13 million to one. And I'm up, and it's not just the Democrats spending this. It's I'm up against the legacy media. I'm up against the social media. They are all out to destroy me, and they are very effective at doing it. Yes. So my website is ronjohnsonforsenate.com. I'm going to need everybody that recognizes this to go to that website and give me the funds to at least try and counter all the attacks. I, I, I need I need help. If you want this story out. I, I am happy to draw the fire, and that's when I when I had the vaccine injured panel in Milwaukee. I knew I'd be attacked. I knew exactly what was going to happen, and and but I wanted the media to see the stories of these people. Now you would think there would be some measure of sympathy on the part of the media to tell those stories, right? No, no. What happened is instead in Wisconsin newspaper they put my picture above the fold with the headline "So Fundamentally Dangerous." They didn't give any ink whatsoever to the to Brianne Dressen in the AstraZeneca file. She was paralyzed. They didn't cover her story. Maddie DeGarry, a little 12-year-old girl, vaccine injured. She's in a wheelchair. She has to have a feeding tube. They didn't cover that story. They attacked me. That is what we're up against. And I'm not asking people to feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm meaning people to recognize I'm one of the few out there fighting this fight, willing to draw the fire to draw attention to the issue so that more Americans' eyes are open, I need help and support. And we need... I don't a, like how much these campaigns cost. I need help and support. So that's why, yeah, you could go to the Ron Johnson for Senate. Again, what's the what's the URL? It's ronjohnsonforsenate.com. RonJohnsonForSenate.com. And, and folks, I mean, this is more important even than a 9-11 commission. We need a commission examining five, six different buckets here, the origins, who's behind it, the tre- war on treatment. Obviously, we need to get to the bottom of remdesivir, the, the, the therapeutics they approved versus the ones they didn't, the shots, because this is going to reverberate in the future. There's more in the pipeline, and we need to know what we're up against. It's, it's, it's literally a life before liberty. This is the ultimate pro-life issue um, in my mind. It's not just about abortion. It's about, it's about living people. It's about informed consent. Um, final question, Senator, are, are you going to promise the public that you're going to hold more of these forums, perhaps maybe with some other members to give it more juice and more publicity and maybe have some of these military doctors on just so we can get to the bottom of this. I can't tell you how many people were inspired by last month's event. Yes, absolutely. And some of my colleagues are kind of open their eyes to it as well. Now, I, I've talked to Rand Paul. If I do win, I'll be chairman of the firm subcommittee on investigations. I will have subpoena power. Trust me, I'm continuing to do my oversight. I've written dozens of oversight letters. They agencies just blow me off, or they, or they give me documents that are completely blacked out. Like that's responsive. So no, I, I am, I am relentless. Okay, I am tenacious. I'm, I'm, I'm fearless. I mean, this, I know who I am. These attacks don't bother me, other than what they say about our society and the danger America is in, the, the hinge point in history we are at. 
So no, I, I will absolutely. You know, I'm going to continue to do these things. Um, I'll continue to invite. By the way, the other side. I, I hold these events. And I, I invite Fauci. I invite Lewinsky. I invite Dr. Woodcock, Dr. Marks. They just never show up. That that speaks volumes right there. They are not willing to defend their actions, their mismanagement yeah. of this crisis. Okay, because there's only they, one side. Right. There's only one side doing the science here. You know, it's it's interesting. I know some of the doctors you had um, and, you know, I've become friends with them. And, and by the way, it truly is terrific. It's really been bipartisan. It's the first endeavor I've ever worked on, not being siloed in my ideological camp. It's it's a beautiful movement. And they get together every week and they have conference calls. And they work on what could we do? What are we seeing? What are the emergent trends in, in the symptoms? What's working? What's not working? And they compare and they learn from each other to try to leave no man behind. The contrast is unbelievable. Everything they do is based on science. It's only science. Um, and the ones who say they're the science are the ones where it's science-free. Um, it just makes no sense. So we need more of a public forum for this, Senator uh, thanks so much for what you do. Again, Ron Johnson for Senate. Uh, you guys could uh, de- definitely do- donate generously because the reality is we do not have too many voices. Please come back and update us on some of these stories you're working on, all right? Okay, re- re- real quick, because I have to give these doctors a shout-out. They are the heroes. And by the way, if you're going to get a, even a first opinion, once you go to a doctor that actually has the courage and compassion to treat an illness like these people have versus who the Democrats put on Dr. Zhao, who hid out in his apartment for a year. They are the heroes of COVID. The nurses are the heroes of COVID. Just listen to one nurse in my event talk about the doctors that wouldn't go in to the COVID patients. They'd send in the nurses. Those are the heroes. They need to be celebrated. They need to be supported. But thank you for having me on, and I'm happy to come back on. God bless you. And by the way, that nurse I learned about from your forum, I never heard of the frontline nurses. I only heard of frontline doctors. So again, that's another trickle-down effect. Keep having these forums. They're definitely going to make progress. Take care. Stay well. God bless. And folks, you see he is in cycle. You know, Senator Ron Johnson is in cycle this year. And um, one of my adages that I've often said many times on this show that our old listeners are familiar with is that when you're an elected official, you're not just a vote, but you're a voice. And, and, and especially nowadays with mass media, you're even more important as a voice than you are as a vote. Um, I've long said I've given up on Congress. I've given up on the Senate. I mean, there's, there's the, the left has like a 90, 10 majority, at least you're never going to change that. That's why I want to focus on just a handful of, of red States. But what is important, the reason why someone like Ron John needs to get in there and be able to do these investigations is because the, the voice makes a huge difference. Um, remember, you know, there were people kind of fighting early over the lockdowns, whatever, but he early on got into treatment. Um, and because of him, Pierre Corey was able to become kind of an international celebrity and the FLCC was able to take off and other people got in. Because of that, a lot of lives were saved. I, I've never in my life seen a scenario where I could point to nothing but a congressional hearing that literally saved lives, but it did. And that's why it was taken down, because it was devastating to those who wanted to continue having people die for nothing in order to advance their political agenda. But that was really terrific. I mean, the passion, it, it's something you can't fake. It's real. Um, and, you know, 
everyone's created for a certain reason, and he's really stepped into this role, stepped up to it. There's really no close second uh, at a federal level. Um, obviously, uh, Thomas Massey at, in the House level, he certainly deserves a lot of credit for being the first one in to stand up to the entire, you know, porculous bills that that funded all of this. Um, but but Ron John as a senator was able to give somewhat of a platform and a forum to this. Uh, the first year he was still in the majority, so it was a formal hearing. Now it's more informal. But it's also a lesson, by the way. You could be a voice. You don't have to have a committee. He just took a room and you get alternative media to, to cover it, and it got out. Um, not as much as it should have. I don't know, did it have a million viewers or whatever? It should have had 100 million, but you know, definitely did get out there. So this is something we're going to follow up on again. Um, I fully, fully support his candidacy. Um, I, you know, to me, this issue predominates any other issue. So obviously, all all senators and congressmen are going to disappoint you on one issue or another throughout your lifetime. But this one is just truly, truly unbelievable. I have a lot more stuff in the queue, um, but we'll have to save that for next week. Couple things, just housekeeping. I'm going to get kicked off of Twitter anytime soon. So if you guys want to follow me, um, I am going to start posting on Telegram C19 Truth Bombs, as in COVID-19 Truth Bombs. But I'm not just going to po- focus on that. I'm going to focus on everything. But that's just a way for people to search and find me on a Telegram channel. It will be a public channel. Um, another interesting thing, speaking of frontline doctors, Brian Tyson, You know, he's the guy that treated 7,000 people in person. He is running for Congress in California's 25th district. This is kind of a swing district. It goes back and forth. There is a Republican there. But I don't know much about that guy, but he ain't going to be as good as Brian Tyson. I'll tell you that much. Um, so he is running for Congress. And again, typically I care more about the state elections in, in um, red states, much less a blue state guy running for House. But it's about a voice, and getting a few people that will really, really push this issue is very, very important. Um, it's something we need to to really get on board with. And look, I mean, kudos to Senator Johnson. Um, he really has given voice to this. It's had its trickle-down effect. I would not have known about some of this if not for his early hearings that he held. But again, I want your brain to run wild. Imagine if every single Republican senator from day one, they were holding similar hearings, they were holding similar press conferences, so he didn't have to look like he's out on a limb going out you know, against something like the vaccine injury uh, industry alone. It's so easy to get demagogued, get marginalized. Um, he's exactly right. It's like a poker game. They hold all the cards. They could just come in day ex machina. Hey, no, we take it away. Data's not up. Uh. False misinformation. You literally can't win. They they, they checkmate you. Um, I think I think again, we're trying to be as careful and as cautious and as conservative with the assertions we're making as possible. I think we all know deep down that the crime that has been committed on all aspects of this is likely much deeper and much worse, of much graver consequence than even we are trying to quantify publicly, uh, and we're discovering that every day. It's it's bad. This is really, really bad. 
and we cannot walk away from this issue. We cannot have Johnny come lately and say, oh, yeah, it was wrong. Let's move on. No, you're if you really believe this is bad, for example, on 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 masks, if you're a Republican governor who really believes masks are bad, here's what you need to do. You get up there and say, look, I bought into this. It was stupid. We were panicked. We were all made to feel guilty that people are dying. We wanted to try to do everything, save lives. In retrospect, it was wrong. It, it's illogical. Um, even if it did work, it would never help another person because you always have the freedom of choice. If it works, it works for you. If not, not. We can never allow this to go on again. And I am going to sign legislation in the state making it a felony to forcibly mask a child punishable with five years in prison. That's a true conversion. But just say, yeah, yeah, look, look at what the Democrats are doing. Uh, let's move on. That's not okay. Because the truth be told, the minute this comes to the next disease, guess what? They'll be back at it. Wouldn't surprise me even, even a typical winter. How many Republican governors and senators are inveighing against the premise of masking? Not just, yeah, we need to move on. Very few. And all those people are susceptible to the next tranche, whether it's public health, whether it's something else. Remember, Republicans could win. Let me just exaggerate to prove a point. Republicans could win. I don't know what the most possible is. I'm trying to go through the Senate roster. But let's say they get 60 Senate seats. They're not, but let's say they would get 60 senators and 280 House members. Bunch of governorships, state legislative majorities, attorneys general, down the ballot, county, state... I mean, worse than what the Republicans experienced after Watergate. Okay, they get into power. Now, first of all, Biden's still president, and Republicans will just say, well, we can't do anything. We can't have a government shutdown over a budget bill because Biden won't sign it. They'll, they'll still say that. But let's say Biden somehow loses power. Somehow we had a parliamentary system, and you're able to have a vote of no confidence and get him out, and you had a Republican president as well. Okay, next year. Well, there's no way we're free, right? No, because the Democrats still control culture, academia, every industry, every media, tech, and everything. And they'll manufacture, or might not even manufacture, they might create another crisis for real. And the same Republicans, they'll be even more maniacal because they're in power. Remember, it started with Republicans in power in many states and, and two out of three branches at, at the federal level. Trump. Trump bought into it. He was scared. He didn't want to get blamed. He wanted to show he's saving lives. That's the way they roll. They're not stupid. They often accomplish more when Republicans are in power. Because that way they could throw crap into the game and Republicans have to own it. And they know that's their kryptonite and they get scared. And they don't think. They don't do what's right. This is going to happen again. And again... The, the lack of treatment, the hospital genocide, it's still going on. People need treatment. People being denied kidney transplants, still going on, worse than ever. Military, still getting, soldiers getting kicked out. I should have asked Senator Johnson about the government funding bill. I mean, I know he did sign up onto Chip Roy's letter to block it. Only four senators did. Um, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, and Ron Johnson. Four even even with all this momentum we have, when now it's politically easy to do the right thing, only four out of 50 Republican senators signed on to fighting the budget bill. 
that is everything you need to know. Next week, um, I'll be uh, I'll be on this mini vacation. So Monday, I'm gonna pre-record at a funny time. So it might not be exactly you know up to date, uh, you know, to the exact hour. Um, and Tuesday, I will be off because I'll be traveling. So we'll be a little slower, but we will not chintz on the truth. We will always give you as much truth as we have in my bones, my body. I need your help. Again, send the show to every one of your friends and relatives. Let's rock and roll. Let's not allow the cheaters to cheat, the bullies to bully, the censors to censor. Let's fight back and do to them what they do to us. And let freedom reign. 